Welcome to the WTF Show podcast from Bangkok, Thailand, presented by Vimal Kogar. Tune in to get your dose of weekly verbal Red Bull. Hello and welcome to the WTF Show today. Today as our guest, we have Derek Kaneja. Welcome to the WTF Show, Derek. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So a little bit about yourself first, Derek, before we start. Sure. Uh, so I was, uh, I'm a pretty normal guy. <laughs> uh, I was b- born and raised in Bangkok. I went to Shrewsbury International School from year six to year 13. I had a great time there. I, I was on the football team and I was very much into distance running. Uh, after, UC- uh, after Shrewsbury, I went to UCL. I was there for three years and I had a great time at university. Uh, met a lot of new- interesting people learned a ton, and I discovered Warren Buffett when I was at UCL, and that was a big turning point in my life. And after UCL, I uh, came came back to Bangkok. The first couple of years were kind of difficult. I was bouncing from job to job, and eventually I got a job at a real estate company in Bangkok. I was the business development manager. It was a great learning experience. It was like drinking from a fire hose. I met tons of interesting people, uh, worked on some very big deals, and eventually I felt that it was time to join my dad at the family business. And I haven't looked back since. And, you know, there's a Turkish proverb, which I really like, uh, no road is long with good company. Excellent, Derek. Derek, so the reason you're on the show today is you have a public profile a domain on the internet that is unique. You seem to know a little bit more than the other guy about how to circumnavigate investments. Am I right? Uh, I, I hope so. <laughs> okay, what can you tell us about that? Sure. Uh, so the website is called rbxinvestments.com. I started the website in 2015 out of my flat in London. And initially it started off as a way for me to journal my investment thoughts it was it was like an online journal but over the years i have tried it has it has grown from that i didn't have a master plan when i started it and you know i look at my website as my as a serendipity vehicle it is it is like an online cv for me it is uh, a chance for me to share what i've learned along the way and help uh investors who are starting out today and yeah so i mean so let's say i'm an investor and i had let's say a million baht sure right how do i start i i really i uh, the, o- the only thing i know uh, in bangkok is i go to bualong bualong in uh, uh bangkok bank and they maybe give me some advice mm-hmm. but if i wanted a relationship with rbx investments how do i start sure right right now we are not managing outside capital a few people have asked me but I have turned them down. Uh, and the reason I have turned, turned, turned people down is because I want people who are very much in sync with my investment philosophy. Uh, you know, RBX Investments, we are a long-term, concentrated value investor. We are very research-driven. We own businesses for, for you know, years and, you know, hopefully decades. So, so right now, we're not managing outside capital. 
but I'm happy to discuss my investment philosophy. Yes, please, please do. Sure. So my investment philosophy has evolved over time. Initially, I started off, so I think there are two ways to invest. One, you can buy discounted pies or you can buy growing pies. When I started out, I was very focused on buying cheap stocks, right? Stocks with low price to book, low price to earnings, things like that. And then I, I realized that that's not really a fun way of investing because these were usually pretty crappy businesses and these businesses were cheap for a reason. And when you own you know, a bad business, it's a bit like holding a an ice cube, right? The ice is melting in your hand, so the value is being eroded over time. So these days, today, I am only looking to invest in great businesses or what I like to call business masterpieces. And I'm looking for a wonderful business run by a wonderful group of people, and I'm trying to buy that business at a fair price and own, own it for the very long term. And li- life is mo- just more, much more fun when you do that. So do you want to give us an example, direct of a business like that? Sure. Uh, in February of 2019, I put, up, put out a presentation uh, outlining my thesis on Apple and why Apple was a compelling investment and why I thought it was a business masterpiece. And the numbers, you know, the, the numbers was just so obvious. Back then, Apple was a, you know, I'm adjusting the numbers here a little bit, but it was a $700 billion company. It had $100 billion of cash on the balance sheet. So in effect, you were buying the business for $600 billion, and it was making about $60 billion a year in free cash flow. So you're getting a 10% free cash flow yield on day one invested capital. And the company was also buying back shares 6 to 7% a year. So your ownership in the company was going up by 6 to 7% per year without laying out a single extra dollar. And, you know, Apple is an iconic brand. It, it, there, there are two parts to Apple. There is products and there is services. So within the product segment, you got things like uh, the iPhone, the Mac, uh, the iPad, AirPods. And within services, you got things like Apple Music, App Store, iCloud, and things like that. And the gross margin on products is 32%. And the gross margin on services is 64%, so double of that. And services is a very good business. It's high margin, it's growing, and it's recurring. And, and you, know, you know, in the end, I decided that this was a great business. This is not a hardware company whose margins are destined to decline. So, you know, it, it was a, I think it was a no-brainer investment at that time. And do you have another example of something more current? More current? Uh, Recently, I put out a presentation on Progressive, which is an auto insurer in the United States. So if you're interested, you, you could read that article. It's about, I think it's over 10 pages. Okay, and what does it, uh, I mean, in summary, what does it tell us? Oh, what does what, what tell us? The, the, the article? Oh, the article. It's, pro, 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 Progressive is an auto insurer. It's a very well-run auto insurer. Uh, the, uh, the way you look at an insurer is to look at its combined ratio a combined ratio of 100 tells tells me that uh tells me that it's underwriting at break even above 100 means it's underwriting at a loss and below 100 means that it's underwriting at a profit so progressive's goal is to underwrite at a 96 combined ratio so a 4% so we're trying to make a 4% pre-tax underwriting gain and it has an excellent long-term track record 
Uh, I really like the management team. I like the culture of the company, and I like the price at which it's selling at. Okay, is that listed on the NYSE? Yes, ticker PGR. Okay, ticker PGR. Thank you. Um, a lot of people like to talk about what they did right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's today talk about what we did wrong. Okay, sure. that's that, to me. Because I'm the king of, uh, of making mistakes. I, I, I make more mistakes than anybody else. I don't think you can beat me on that one. <laughs> I would like to talk about the fundamental m- mistakes that first-generation investors make from the start. So how they approach it, who they approach, what are the common mistakes? Sure. How much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> so the so mistakes are great, right? It's a, it's a great way to learn, and I think there are two ways to learn. One is you can make, you can learn from your own mistakes, and that's a good way to learn. And you can also learn from the mistakes of other people. But that that's a less painful way to learn, and that's my preferred way of learning. And you can do that by just reading a lot. But a lot of uh, mistakes that I see investors do is that uh, they they haven't educated themselves on on investing. They are kind of rushing into it. Before I got started in investing, I, you know, I read over 100 books on in, on investing, and I, I wanted to make sure that I was ready to to invest. So I so I would suggest that, you know, read up a ton on investing. Once you're ready, open a real money portfolio, and when you open that portfolio, do not ever invest on borrow, using borrowed money. Do not lever up. Do not trade options. Do not short stocks. So these are the things that you sh- you should avoid. Do not deal with derivatives. Do not, yeah. So we've been talking a little bit now about equity. What about debt? Do yeah. you do you do you do you recommend that we buy debt? Uh, in today's interest rate environment, I do not recommend bonds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you know, history has shown that over the very long term, stocks do outperform bonds. Okay. So you mentioned that you did a lot of reading just now. You said <laughs> yes. over 100 books. Yes. So sort of walk us through the type of books you read. Okay. Who were your favorite authors? Just a little bit from that angle, please. Sure. That's a great question. Uh, so the book that really uh, set me on, on this path was, it's actually my dad's book. He gave me his copy of Benjamin Graham's The Intelligent Investor. And after reading that book, a light bulb went off in my head, when went on in my head. <laughs> and, you know, it was I, it was my road to Damascus moment. I, I found enlightenment. <laughs> and I thought that, okay, this is the way to invest, and I'm going to go down this, this rabbit hole. So after discovering Ben Graham, I discovered Warren Buffett. I discovered so let's go back to Ben Graham again. Sure. What does he teach us? Okay, so there's three, three main lessons from Ben Graham. One is when you buy a stock, you're actually buying fractional ownership in a business. A stock is not a piece of paper to be traded back and forth. It's a you own the you own you're an owner of the business now. If the business does well, you as the owner will also do well. Two is you should always invest with a margin of safety. Right? Figure out what something is worth and try to pay a lot less for it, leaving yourself a large margin of safety. Don't ever pay full price, basically. And third is you should look at stock prices <clears throat> as coming from this guy called Mr. Market. And sometimes Mr. Market is very euphoric and sometimes he's very depressed. So, uh, so stock prices are all over the place and you should take advantage of 
uh, fluctuations in, in stock prices. So three main lessons from Ben Graham. And he also talks about the difference between investing and speculating. As an investor, you're trying to profit from what the business is going to do, the results uh, of the enterprise. As a speculator, you're trying to profit from movements in the stock price. So that's the difference. And, you know, the truth, as Mr. Buffett said, the truth test of whether you're an investor or not is if you would be happy if the stock market were to close for the next 10 years and you didn't get a quote on your on your, on your holdings. Well, that's an interesting way to look at it. Mm-hmm. Berkshire Hathaway and uh, the Oracle of Omaha, they call him. Sure. He's a, he seems to inspire a lot of people. Sure. Uh, what has he been teaching us in the short term, in the last maybe six months? I think he's uh, uh, moving a little bit into cash. Am I right? Yes, yes. He's sitting on a record, record amount of cash right now. And uh, the, the problem he has is that uh, he's running a very big company and he can only look at very big businesses. things Because sm- smaller ideas just won't move the needle anymore. So that, that's the problem we have. But you and I, we don't have that problem. Right. But him keeping cash, does that make sense? I, I mean, I, I thought cash melts. I, I, I always thought that the big, uh, big uh, finance companies or investors tell you that keeping cash in the safe makes it melt. Am I wrong? Or I, where am I standing here? Uh, I, I, think ca- I think he's holding cash because he's just not seeing good ideas right now. I don't think he wants to hold cash. And I think, you know, cash has option value on every single asset class. So when when things do get really chaotic, I think Mr. Buffett would step in. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Tell me also the relationship between the CEOs of the companies you invest with their own companies. For example, uh, Tim Cook at Apple sure. and Elon Musk. Elon Musk is one of my favorites sure. because he, if I'm not wrong, is trading at, P.E., T.T.M., maybe 66, 67 at the <laughs> moment, right? Which makes no sense. He's a maybe 15-year-old company. Toyota is a mm-hmm. maybe 75, 80-year-old company. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you think the relationship is and should be between CEOs and some of these big companies. Sure. I, the CEO should view himself as the fiduciary of the shareholder's money. This is not his company. The shareholders own the company. And I like CEOs who adopt an owner mindset. And I think Tim Cook does adopt an owner mindset. Uh, And what's interesting is that there are only three CEOs in the world who have created over a trillion dollars in shareholder value. Jeff Bezos, Tim Cook, and Satya Nadella at Microsoft. Sorry, what was the second part of your question? So I, Tesla, want, right? I wanted to know the relationship okay. between the CEOs and what makes their money, uh, what makes their company great. Sure, sure. I think when I'm looking at a CEO, I want him to have, I'm looking for three things. I want him to have lots of energy. I want him to have lots of integrity. And I want him to have total integrity. If he does not have total integrity, then I want him to be dumb and lazy. Okay. Right, you know, if you don't have integrity, then you, you know you're an energetic crook. You, you don't want to partner with, you know, with energetic crooks because you're not going to do well. Um, so yeah, I want the CEO to have to adopt an owner mindset. It's a fiduciary of shareholders' money, and I want him to have good operational skills and good capital allocation skills. Okay, so um, I uh, 
I've been following Elon Musk and uh, I've not understood a couple of things. Maybe you can explain to me. So he went to his board of directors and told them that his, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, his bonuses are based on the value of the shares. If the shares hit X, then he should get a Y bonus. If the uh, 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 shares hit a Z, he should get an A bonus, Mm -hmm. right? Now, uh, uh, doesn't that focus too much on the value of the shares in the stock market as opposed to the performance of the company, uh, medium term and long term? Sure, that that is a very strange compensation structure. but you know, I I don't have anything much to say about Elon Musk other than that he is a very smart guy. I have read the book by Ashley Vance, and you know any guy who can land two rockets at the same time should be taken seriously. Yeah, he is, seems to be outstanding, and 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 you know, there's a quote I like: "Don't underestimate the man who overestimates himself." <laughs> that, that that might be Elon. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, Elon is, uh, I mean, I, I, I truly believe that if Elon keeps going the way he is, we're going to have uh, um, a Tesla products sure. or his uh, uh, energy storage products in our houses pretty soon. Sure. I, I, I think, I think, I think, I think even if Tesla does not work, he, what he's done is that he has lit a fire under the bellies of all the other automakers. He has forced GM into EVs. He has forced, he has forced all these uh, other car companies to start innovating again. Okay, let's talk a little bit about what we shouldn't invest in. Sure. Because, <laughs> again, it's that pitfall that I fall or fall sure. fall into all the time. Sure. Whether it's gold or cryptocurrencies or I'm the worst investor in the world. Tell me, tell me what you think we should move away from. Maybe real estate. I don't know. Sure. That's that's a great question. Uh, you know, there's there's a thing I like. All I want to know is where I'm gonna die so that I don't go there. Right. So that's so that's a great question because you're inverting the question, right? Figure out what not to invest in, and what's left with other things that you should invest in. Uh, so in terms of stocks, you you want to you want to eliminate all the bad businesses. You want to you want to eliminate difficult com- uh, things that are difficult to understand. For example, there are fifty thousand public companies in the world. I think I understand fifty of them. So there are only 50 companies in my investable universe. That's it. Right. And that, that might be an exaggeration. So I only understand about 0.1% of the companies in the world. And that's okay. You know, it is not about, it is all about how realistically you define your circle of competence and how well you stay within it. And yeah, so there's certain, and also there are certain industries that I just don't invest in. For example, anything commodity related, so automatic no, healthcare no, uh, uh, pharmaceuticals not interested, uh, biotech, I don't know. Uh, uh, what about yeah. stuff like gold? And uh, we need to also talk about cryptocurrencies because sure, sure. everybody else is talking about cryptocurrencies. Sure. Uh, so let's start with gold. So gold, I think gold has value because people give it value, a bit like a painting. Uh, it does not produce anything. It does not pay a dividend. In fact, there is a carry cost to owning gold because you got to store gold. And but if you know, but if you f- if you think that you might sleep better because you own a little bit of gold, then I think you, then I think by all means, you know, you own the gold. But personally, 
I don't view gold as an investment. For me, an investment is something that throws off cash, and gold just does not throw off cash. And same same thing with cryptocurrencies. It hasn't been around that long, and I and I think the people who bought cryptocurrencies are gambling. I don't think it's an investment, but again, to each their own. Uh, cryptocurrencies remind me of uh, when I was in college, actually also at UCL. Uh, Salman Rushdie came around, along and and we read the book, and nobody uh, nobody understood the book. Yeah, and uh, yet people were on the street uh, giving uh, uh, having protest on the book, and uh, I. I mean, semi-educated as I am, I I really couldn't understand what he was trying to say. Mm-hmm. I find it's a little bit similar, like cryptocurrencies. A lot of people, um, a lot of people uh, pretend to understand what what's going on with cryptocurrencies and why Bitcoin is better than Ripple or anything else, mm-hmm. right? But do you think the ordinary person who puts money in cryptocurrencies understands the pitfalls? No. No, if you don't understand cryptocurrency, you're thinking about it correctly. <laughs> right, right. Yes, so that's an area that uh, i just not interested in. In fact, I wrote an article warning my friends about the dangers of investing in cryptocurrency. This was in late 2017, I think. Uh, the article was called, I've seen this movie before, and I compared cryptocurrencies to past bubbles. So, so for, and, and you know, bubbles, you know, there there always be bubbles for example, in the 1920s in, in America, auto stocks were all the rage. Car makers. Right. In in the 1960s, conglo- uh, 1960s, conglomerates were all the rage. In the 1970s, we had the Nifty 50, blue chip stocks, right? Uh, Kodak, Polaroid, Xerox, you know, buy these stocks at 50 times earnings and hold them forever. Obviously, that didn't work. In the 1980s, uh, we had the... Uh, boom in biotech IPOs. People were excited about biotech in 1980s. 1990s, we had the dot-com stocks. 2006, 2007, real estate, housing. Uh, Flavor of the day in 2017 was cryptocurrency. And maybe last year it was cannabis. So, so, so I think if you avoid whatever is hot and popular right now, you, you, you can, uh, that, that's usually a good way to go. What about if I started my portfolio, say, on Monday? Sure. And I put, say, I don't know, 10,000 US dollars on the FANG stocks, Facebook, uh, uh, Amazon, Netflix, and Google Alphabet. Sure. Right? So this seems to be something that people of your generation especially can identify with. These companies almost always make money, mm-hmm. right? They seem to be safe, mm-hmm. right? And they seem to understand the pulse of the future. I mean, Facebook has been eating market share almost every single year. Sure. Google is on the verge of an antitrust trust suite. Sure. Suit. And uh, uh, it, it seems that uh, a blind investor could possibly go into these stocks and still see an up, uh, upside. Am I right or wrong? Uh I'm not sure that is, I really don't know. That's too hard for me to figure out. Uh, but what I do know is that these are all fantastic businesses. Uh, they, I don't think they require much capital to run. They generate very high returns on capital. They're drowning in cash. And they got 
great management in place. But investing is not about identifying good assets. It's about identifying good assets at good prices. So these companies are certainly good assets, but are they available at good prices? I don't know. That is too hard for me to figure out. One example I'd like to share is that in 2000, Microsoft was the most valuable company in the world. I think its market cap was $600 billion, but it was only making about a I think it was only making about $10 billion in free cash flow. So for the next 16 years, the stock went nowhere, even though the business was chugging along. So the entry price does matter. Okay. Okay. Um, Derek, I a little bit want to talk about how I can access your information. You ma- mentioned your website, RBX. Uh, are you on multi multi forms of social media, or and what's your plan for the future? Are you going to write a book? Are you because you if you have information in your brain and you don't share it, it's really uh, uh, you know you need to you need to think about how all this information is going to be shared. So I'm curious to know how you're going to publicize things in the future. So I really don't have a master plan right now. I just want to pump out good content for my readers, share what I know. And, you know, if people find that interesting, I'm more than happy to talk to them about it. And, you know, I I think that anybody who's, you know, who I, I think writing online is a superpower. Honestly, I think it's a superpower. Uh, it, it's an easy way to turbocharge your career and to show people that you're passionate about your work. You know, it is like an online CV. And yeah, so I I highly recommend writing online. Instead of being a content consumer, try to be a content creator. I think think we're seeing a shift in that direction. You seem to be good at it. Thank Um, you. Tell me a little bit about recent books you've read. Sure. Uh, So I try to read a lot. I, I divide my readings into two piles. One is annual reports and financial statements. And the other pile is just books and biographies. So I'm very big on biographies, especially business biographies. I feel like that's a great way to learn. You know, a bo- you know, reading a book is like downloading somebody, somebody's brain for less than a thousand baht. Why wouldn't you do that? So, so investing is one of the few professions where you can really learn just by reading by reading annual reports, by uh, by talk, uh, and, and by reading books, and by having a portfolio. And a recent book that I just finished is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, the co-founder of Nike. Amazing book. Uh, another book that I in- enjoyed is called The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Now, Naval Ravikant is a VC. And I like Naval because not only is he a brilliant investor, but he he is happy and he is successful, and that's a very rare combination. So I highly recommend that book. Okay, is, is that available on Amazon? Or? It's available online for free. The authors made it. Okay, can you say the name of the book sure. again, please? The Almanac of Naval Ravikant. Okay, tell me a little bit about, now, our show is called the WTF Show. We are essentially a youth empowerment show. And... Um, I'd like you to tell me if you think you had a WTF moment in the last five years, something that made you pivot your life in a certain direction. You know, you, you, sometimes you, you, you come to this stage where you've been doing things and you, you, you say to yourself, look, I've been doing things wrong. Mm-hmm. This is the event that helped me focus 
on what I really want to do. Okay. Was there a moment like that? Sure, I don't think there was. So a, a big moment was discovering Ben Graham and then Warren Buffett and then all the other great investors out there. So that was a big turning point. But I think, you know, I think people underestimate the power of compounding, you know, uh, incremental actions, small incremental actions in the right direction over a very long period of time. You know, I have an acronym for it. I call it PIPER. PIPER, uh, you know, stands for Perpetual Incremental Progress Eternally Repeated. And that is the formula for success in any field. If you want to learn a new language, it's pipe, you know, you know, it's Piper. That's that's the that's the secret. So I think that's what I've tried to do: just focus on small daily actions every single day, and just do it for a very long period of time. And hopefully, it just compounds over time. And and, and for example, if you're getting one percent better every single day, how much better would you be at the end of the year? Thirty-seven times. That's amazing. Right. Um, we've had some issues with, uh, we've uh, noticed at the WTF show a lot of youth uh, coming back 2019-2020 into the labor market. And obviously with the pandemic, uh, jobs are not easily available. Mm-hmm. So we have kids at home who are looking for jobs on the internet and a little bit lost. Can you give them a little bit of advice on where you think the direction is going in the future? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think adversity, especially early on in life, is a blessing. So, and an easy, what I would do is I would start writing online. And if you don't know what to write about, start by curating links and articles about the topics that, about the things that you're interested in. And the American rapper, Soldier Boy, uh, this is how he started his career. He would put playlists together and he would post it on a website, on this website called SoundClick. And eventually he started slipping his songs into the playlist and that's how his career took off. So if you don't know what to write about, start by curating links and articles and sharing it on your social media platform. Tell me, can you describe me one of those songs if you can? Crank that. <laughs> yeah, just tell me a little bit about that. I don't know too much about Soldier Boy. Okay. Yeah, I don't really listen to music. <laughs> okay, there you go. There yeah, you and go. another way, another way of another creative way of look of finding a job is uh, offer to work for free uh, for one month. Right. No strings attached. Make a list of the people you want to work for. Uh, mail them an envelope with your CV, with your cover letter, and why you would be a good fit for the company. And offer to work for free. Tell them, no strings attached, one month. If you like me, you keep me. If not, we part ways, no problem. I think I think that will work. WTFers, you heard it from Direct Kanejao. Work for free for a month. Try it. <laughs> um, Direct, you know, we're going to ask you for two things before you leave. Sure. And then we will give you the last word. But uh, before you leave, one is we're going to ask you to kindly vote for... Uh, the youth of the year 2021 sure. at our WTF award show. So if uh, if you may, if you can, send us a nomination for a youth age between 20 to 30 sure. who you think uh, contributes to the community and to the greater good. Okay, can I say it right now? No, you cannot. Because <laughs> I'm going to get slack if you say it right now. <laughs> uh, the other thing is you are welcome also to introduce another guest to the WTF show. Sure. Okay. So 
I'm so happy today you've joined uh, the WTF show, and uh, I want to give you the last word, but before I go there, I just want to say that it's a pleasure talking to you today. Thank you. You seem to have a different point of view from others that I know, and you've put yourself out there on your uh, RBX investments platform. I hope that grows for you, and I hope you monetize that at some point. Um, if you may, give me your last word on what you believe our community, how it can grow, and where we should be headed in terms of uh, understanding the pros and cons of investments. Sure, thank you. Uh, first, th- th- thank you for having me on your show. Uh, it is an honor, and I am deeply humbled that that uh, that you that you that you want me on your show. Uh, and in terms of parting words, uh, let, me, let me really think about this. Uh, this is a quote. I think it's by John Lennon. You know, we were living in extraordinary times, and I think this sum, sums it up pretty well. He says. Uh, Everything will be okay in the end. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Thank you. Thank you, Derek. Again, you've been an asset to the WTF show. And before I go, I'd like to thank uh, my wife, Pyle, who's here for the show, and Rajan Kanijang, our sound engineer and creative. Uh, hope to catch you next week on the WTF show. Ta-ta for now. Thank you. Bye. That's it from the WTF Show. Vmall and the team from WTF Show would like to thank all our sponsors. Tune in next week for another great gig with people making a difference to your future. For advertising spots, go to the WTF Show IG page and get more info or contact Vmall at 6681-616-5987.